passage that we were considering last time ended with the words, verse 17 of Romans the 8th chapter, <coughs> if children, then heirs. The if there is the if of argument. It's not a question of doubt. It's as assured as anyone can claim by the mercy of God that he's a child of God. Well, then he's got an inheritance. And that inheritance is so beyond our ability to explain that the Apostle says it's not into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Well, that's a wonderful thing. And we can stop there if we wish. And for all time, we, we do rest there. But now comes the section which says, but, friends, but, do you know there's something more? Well, you say to me, what more can there be? For a child of wrath as I once was, a child of darkness, to be translated into the kingdom of God's Son and out of darkness into light and be accepted in the beloved, what more is there? Well, apparently, you, you can never come to a conclusion that God said all he's going to say and done all he's going to do. So the next section says this, And we are joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Now, that is often read as though it's just the same thing. But you know, if you begin to study the scriptures, you discover that there is a difference made between the gift of salvation and the prize of the high calling. There is such a thing as a reward for faithful service, but that's not salvation and doesn't interfere with salvation. If we died with him, says Paul writing to Timothy, if we died with him, that is to say, when Christ died, we were reckoned to have died with him. Nothing could alter that. If we died with him, we shall live with him. Then he says, if we suffer or endure, we shall reign with him. But is living and reigning exactly the same thing? Well, you say, I don't know. Well, perhaps supposing we say, we don't know for a minute. Let's see whether, whether there is such a thing as <laughs> reigning over and above living. Turn to the book of the Revelation. That will be quite outside of our calling, but we can see how it bears upon others. Chapter 3. Uh, no, chapter... Yes, I think it's the end of chapter 3. Yes. Uh, verse 21. To him that overcometh... Now, an overcomer is not an ordinary, everyday, average believer. He is one who stood... And endure if needs be. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life, him that overcometh. See? So now we have this emphasis. If we suffer with him, we shall be also glorified together. Joint heirs. And this is a joint heirship here. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my father in his throne. Now that's a joint that's not merely receiving a gift but to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne so we go back for a moment to Romans the 8th chapter and join heirs with Christ if so be we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together and while we have revelation will you turn to the fulfilment of this promise in Revelation 20 verse 4 and I saw thrones and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ 
a thousand years. Well, it's not a very easy path, is it? You can't be little being beheaded for Christ's sake, or refusing to worship the beast in that dreadful day, or not receive his mark. So here are those who endured and suffered with him. They not only will live, which is assured by salvation, but they reign, which is the added bit. So we pass from Romans the 8th chapter, which says, If children, then heirs. To the next step, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together with him. Well now, the next thing is this. I put a pair of scales on this board, you notice? A scales can come in the question of our salvation. Because the scales in the Bible, if you're reading the Hebrew language, is practically identical with the word righteousness. As I've said before, some people have criticised the law of Moses and what a bloodthirsty uh, code it is that we've outlived it. Well, we may have outlived it. But an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is only just 16 ounces to the pound, that's all. And anybody who says they don't believe in an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, you wait till the butcher cheats them of two ounces and see what they say. You see, that's justice. Don't mix mercy with justice. If you want justice, 16 ounces to the pound. If you can't do it, call upon God for his mercy. Or as Shakespeare puts into the language of the merchant of Venice, in the course of justice, none of us should see salvation. Well, then you get a pair of scales, and every one of us are found wanting. But now we have a pair of scales with regard to the next move. Will you turn to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and see how Moses weighed after salvation, the next thing. Hebrews 11th chapter, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And what little we know from having the archaeologists at work of ancient Egypt, we know what a magnificence he refused. The court of Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a god to the people, and the royal family were there ensconced in Gold beyond dreams and so on, if you want that sort of thing. Well, he was surrounded with it and brought up with it for 40 years. Choosing. The word choosing is exercising an opinion of discretion. He wasn't forced into this, he chose this. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. For a season. That was beginning to weigh with Moses. He said, supposing I do sit upon the throne of Egypt, supposing I am the crown prince of Egypt, supposing, I don't think he ever saw the advertisement that I've seen and you may have seen in one of the insurance companies, it's three score years and then, <laughs> not three score years and ten. <coughs> it's a challenge to the man going along, he says, hmm, after three score years and ten, then what? So Moses said, after all, this is fleeting, this is but for a moment, um, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming is the other word for weighing, measuring, comparing, considering. Esteeming the reproach, our version says, of Christ. Corrected in the margin. Esteeming the reproach for Christ. Or the reproach that attached to anyone who believes in Christ. But it wasn't Christ reproaching him. That's the danger of our English there. Esteeming the reproach for Christ, greater riches, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Why? For he had respect 
unto the recompense of the reward. And the word recompense is a word that suggests he weighed and put it in the balances and tested it. Now will you come to 2 Corinthians and see that that is actually the words that we must use and then we go back to Romans 8 and find them there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, chapter 4. <coughs> verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Uh, he is no sort of light battle, is it? A man who can write about his experiences like that. We faint not. We have every reason to faint if we are le- resting upon the arm of the flesh. For our outward man is perishing. Although the inward man is renewed day by day. Now he goes on. Notice the word light and the word weight in the verse 17. This is a pair of scales at work again. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, he, he's following the same lines as Moses, isn't he? But for a season. He says it's but for a moment. And you see, that's, that's all the difference, isn't it? One man is told that the complaint he has is his for lifetime. Or two men may be told at the hospital, oh, you've got it for life. It's incurable. Come in. That's right, come right in. This, this one person shrugs his shoulders and says, oh well, it's only for a lifetime. Come in and sit right down. You're at home, friend. Oh, well, he'd be able to sit down on business at the same time. About another ten minutes, another five minutes. That's right. We don't want you to be uncomfortable. That's good. We're right in the middle of everything, so you'd have to put up with that. The one of them said, oh, it's only for a lifetime. And the other one said, do exactly the same thing before going to endure that all my life. It's like one man said, Oh, all roses have got thorns. And another one said, Isn't it wonderful these thorns have got roses? Just a point of view, isn't it? Light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh. This is something you've got a business to do, something that's accomplishing something. Worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You notice the end is in italics. There's a figure of speech which is called mm. polysyndeton. Polysyndeton is a Greek word uh, meaning many ends, and it builds up and, and, you know, some of the things in Scripture, it piling them up. And sometimes it's asyndeton, it leaves all the ends out, it goes straight away to the end, so leave this one out. It worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Now the next thing. In the Hebrews 11 that we looked at just now, it says Moses endured what he did and esteemed as he did because he endured as seeing him that is invisible. So it says here, all this takes place while we look not at the things which are seen. It has been said you can blot out the mighty sun by a pin's head if you put the pin's head near enough to your sight. And there are many a person today whose great philosophy of life and the answer they give to all you give them, well, I don't see it. As though they don't see it as a proof that it doesn't exist. You see? So he says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 
for the things which are seen are temporal. Moses said, oh, that's only going to last for a season. But the things which are not seen are eternal or age-abiding. So we come back to the text which is before us in Romans the 8th chapter. If children, so long as anyone can claim by the mercy of God that he has been redeemed by Christ and become a family of faith, he can't put himself into it, but he can wake up to the fact that he's there. Romans the 8th chapter, 17th verse. If children, then heirs. Heirs. No child of God without an inheritance. Then it goes on subsequently, and that's the new step we take this afternoon. And joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Now here comes the pair of scales. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. The word worthy, axios, is the word that comes from a pair of scales. So I put on the board, you see, on the one side of the cross, the other side of the crown. He says, you can't make those balance. Not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature or creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Uh, our time is practically up. We like to keep faith with business <coughs> and we may have a bigger company next time as we get back, back to a more settled program. But we're still continuing to examine this mighty chapter of Romans the 8th. And I draw your attention when we looked at it at the beginning that the whole of the structure of Romans 8 revolves around the word son. The first section is that God answered all the problems about sin and death, God sending his own son. And at the end he says, verse 31, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? He that spared not his own son. And all the problems and difficulties and that that you hear discussed about where is God and who is God like, and I don't know what, is because they're seeking something which is beyond their kin. God has limited himself so far as we are concerned so that we see the glory of God in a human face, in the face of Jesus Christ. Every one of us is in need of a mediator. Like Job at the beginning and early days, he said, all oh, that there were a day's man between us to lay his hand upon us both. And Christ steps into that. So that while we stress the scriptures here, we stress the character of God and all that, we are conscious that we know nothing about him whatsoever but what is revealed to us in the person and work of his Son. If there's more to be known as there may be in the days to come, we'll be prepared for it. But at the present time, we are perfectly satisfied with the character and the glory and the teaching and all the do with God as is revealed to us in Christ.